Oh, come let us adore him, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Football Ramble. Brentford make history and so does Lionel Messi. It's Wednesday, 23rd of December. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Vidushin Lahantaraja. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Thank you, Vish. How are you doing, boysies? Very good. Good. Very good. Look how happy you are. Yeah. Why wouldn't I be? I'm staring at the eyes of Vitushin Hantaraja and Andy Brassel. <laughs> Christmas is just moments away and uh, and my stocking is full. <laughs> That's good to know. It's quite the image as well. <laughs> When you wink and say your stockings for. That's enough of winks. Now, um, gentlemen, it's um, it's that time of, of, of the year where the Premier League has sort of stopped for a couple of days. How dare it, quite frankly. But we did have some Carabao Cup action, Andy. Were you full to the brim with Carabao, Andy? <laughs> Always, always. It's uh, kind of mulled carabao this time of year, isn't it? <laughs> Does such a thing is, exist? Is, is that kind of like the Red Bull that they sell in Thailand and other parts of Southeast Asia, where, it, where it's not actually fizzy? Mm. It's sort of still and comes in a medicine bottle and is significantly more potent because it has lots of dodgy ingredients in it. Oh, it's, uh, hang on, you're not, do you hear people saying, oh, I went to like a full moon or a half moon party in Thailand, they put all sorts in the red bull, and it's just like, no, you're an idiot. Well, no, you just like read the ingredients <laughs> on the side of the, side of the bottle. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Con- contains contains 0.01% strychnine, for example. Yeah. <laughs> I like, just Marcus's indignation at the idea that someone went to a foreign country at a, f- a full moon party and wasn't spiked with amphetamine. <laughs> <laughs> no, you weren't. No, you weren't. No. It's good, honest, local <laughs> sand bucket. How, how dare you? <laughs> Look at Look, we've, we've all had a drop of Mountain Dew in our time, is, is, is what I'm saying. Tampico for our for our Latin American brothers and sisters. Um, anyway, gentlemen, Manchester City, they put Arsenal to the sword, didn't they, Vish? You were there. I was. You were there. I mean, it wasn't too surprising, was it? No, but I think your sigh there summed it up perfectly because mm. I, I went in there and I thought, right, Manchester City are going to win. But, <laughs> but you know, yeah. it's a cup competition. Yeah. If you look at the, you know, I think Arsenal's last four wins have come in midweek in the, um, you know, in the Europa League. And you know that way that cup competitions have that kind of distracting effect for teams who are doing badly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you can almost kid yourself into being you know, a, a cup team. As, yeah. You know, I suppose if you look at my club, Manchester United, obviously the PSG games, you can kind of think, well, actually, you know, we're just really good at high pressured, mm-hmm. you know, high level football yeah. matches. Well, look when at Wig- re- Wigan when they won the FA Cup, they were relegated a week or two yeah. after. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it doesn't really kind of translate to anything, you know, anything tangible. But I thought, oh, you know, maybe, maybe this mm. could be it. And then Man City scored after three minutes, and I'm like, okay, well, it, well, it's not because even in the way that Arsenal equalised, mm-hmm. you know, there was that little little bit where they kind of ramped it back up, and then yeah, City turned it on just a little bit louder in, in the second half. Yeah, I mean, Lacazette scored, which is the, it's the only consolation really. It's a nice goal as well, beautifully constructed and finished. Mm, but that, it, that was a Lacazette header, wasn't it? That's yeah. what he's really good at yeah. manipulating yeah. himself in the box. Mm-hmm, absolutely right. But then, of course, um, the, the goalkeeper Runnison didn't have the best of evenings, which is a shame, Andy. I mean, the, the pundits were saying, "Oh, why didn't they put Leno in goal?" 
and you just feel for, for, for the young keeper who made a good save, uh, I think one all. And then that goes in, oh dear. I mean, you'd like to say that Mares goal could happen to anyone. Mm. Unfortunately, it happened to him, <laughs> d- d- didn't it? I mean, I think I think it's just... Pat Bonner said it could happen to anyone. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... It was just like an all Pat Bonner. It was like one of those, wasn't it? Yeah, World Cup 94. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's it because if it, it's just about confirmation bias, really, isn't it? Mm. The idea that Arsenal are going in a certain direction mm-hmm. and one of the symptoms, not the causes, but the symptoms of that is the fact that they sold for a, a very decent amount of money mm-hmm. uh, backup stroke number one goalkeeper who a lot of Arsenal fans thought rightly or wrongly should be number one mm. and replaced him with a guy who couldn't get in the Dijon team mm. who their previous sporting director Peggy Louis Ndula said we're going to let him go because he deserves to be a number one keeper somewhere so that, that's the, the who was it so, Dijon sorry um, uh, Peggy Lundula said said that the sporting director said said that he mm-hmm. he deserves to be the the number one goalkeeper somewhere as so a lesser it, club than than Dijon. He's, that's obviously massively implied. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, which a- is absolutely you would think Arsenal were a step above. And also, well, he's he's, he's not going to be number one keeper there. I think it's more oh, that okay. he, he received this offer that he never expected <laughs> yeah, yeah, from yeah, a club yeah. like Arsenal. So, yeah, maybe being a number two and living in London and getting paid a load of wedge is not that bad. Was <laughs> it the Seth Johnson complex? Yeah, exactly. In, like, Why do they want to talk to me? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not here as a plumber. <laughs> is that interesting? True, that Seth John- the story that when the, him and his agent went in and he was offered, you know, they were they were expecting I don't know just to pluck a figure or something like sort of ten grand a week they were hoping for, and Peter Ridsdale sat down and all right, well we're going to offer you seventeen grand a week, and they were like seventeen grand, and he went okay, all right, okay, we'll give you nineteen grand or something. There was, is that true or is that apocryphal? I don't know. It that sounds it, a bit ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know that it's you know true, true. It, certainly, aspects of it will be embellished, but it does fit doesn't it and that's the problem yeah it, oh yeah i can see that happening which is exactly why it was such a shambles mm. in the club at the time yeah anyway andy sorry you so yeah i mean it wasn't a good performance from from him in goal of course but man city they just sort of went about their business i mean it was a cup quarter final lest we forget man city got a very good pedigree in this competition and they just really had quite a lovely old time yeah and there's just that such that level of delight and such that great relationship between manchester city and the carabao cup i particularly enjoyed the tweet from the, the manchester city account after the third goal where it said var wouldn't have given it but we don't care <laughs> <laughs> You do love to see that from an official account, don't you? Yeah, you, yes. you really do. I mean, what did you sort of make of Manchester City's performance, Vish? It was nice to see Phil Foden come on and strut his stuff. He's one hell of a glider, isn't it? He is a glider, and we love a glider. And so there was a point in the second half, quite deep into the second half, actually, where he mm-hmm. carries a ball um, from just in front of his box mm-hmm. and eventually kind of snakes his way through to, you know, deep on the Arsenal left. And it didn't look like he was going very quickly at all, mm. but Sabayas, who'd played the whole game, it was nowhere near him and he mm. would have been side by side with him at the start of this run. And I just thought, like, I don't think we realised how quick Phil Foden is. And if you actually, if you look at a lot of people who um, who write about Manchester City specifically, but also kind of look into the, you know, I suppose the brainier side of the game, one of the things they say when you look at um, Foden's, you know, obvious gifts is that while there isn't necessarily space in the middle for him right now, they could easily he could easily do a very, very good job for a club like Manchester City out wide. Mm-hmm. And when you see that kind of pace, you're like, oh, okay. And then you see the cross he put in for um, yeah. Laporte's header mm. and the way he just like 
you know, it's a short corner routine, so naturally, like Arsenal were closing him down, and he just f- managed to find enough space. He just sort of to wafted it in. Up. I think Foden yeah, exactly. is one of those players who he's come along in the right era. In the nineties, where would you put him in a four-four-two? You know you see what? what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. So and he's one of those players with with. And when you say out wide, again, years ago, a player like that out wide. Yeah. Really? Where do you sort of in the middle? You know, and that's. I think that's why it's. It's um, a good point, actually, because mm-hmm. I think you look at like the Premier League, and I've, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but post Modric and post David Silva, actually, mm-hmm. now it's okay to not be six foot two and built like a brick outhouse and yeah. play in the centre of a Premier League midfield. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference. But I think the interesting thing with with Foden and that that point that well, Danny Murphy did it for Fulham as well. That, that point on. that Vish made about <laughs> about the. Um, about the pace that he has, the the sort of mm. low key pace that he has, I mean, it's the same. With <laughs> it's a nice way of putting it: low key mm. pace. It's the, it's the same with with Kevin De Bruyne, isn't it? Mm. Uh, and yeah. I, I think what's interesting: the discussion around Foden in recent weeks is moved on from he's going to replace David Silva to at what point does De Bruyne sort of take the downward slope maybe it's a bit early for that sort of chat but with the age that Foden is maybe he's the eventual successor for, to De Bruyne rather than to David Silva and mm-hmm. I, I think it's quite interesting how that conversation has developed yeah. I think I think you're absolutely right to say that that, that, you know, that that glide that he has that bodes very very well dare I even say that there's a there's a touch of sort of Anders and Iesta about that sort of movement and so on so uh, how many people have we compared him to in this little section we've had Bruna, <laughs> Danny, with, Murphy. Uh, uh, Danny Murphy Danny Murphy yeah. Iniesta uh-huh. I think before the section we want to do Zidane uh-huh. and uh, who else do we want to get in there Lee Catamon yep yeah anyone um, sort of short and Dennis Jalmina Dennis. oh De- lovely yeah. mention for Jalmina nice yeah, there we probably, are. Probably less of a wrong one, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I thought yesterday, actually, seeing a young kid, a young left-footed kid running through the Emirates, and I wonder if, if there's something to be said here for the for the era that Foden plays in, given the injuries that this particular player had. But mm-hmm. do you remember when Jack Wilshere started? <laughs> no, no, no. no. I, no Wilshere I, I went through my mind. And I, and I, yeah. I, 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 I'm not talking about that Barcelona game. When Wilshere was someone who was playing cameos in League Cups, mm. And he was primarily someone who played mm-hmm. as a number 10, really, for, for the youth teams. There was all that chat about, God, you know, we, this is, we're, we're entering a new era of English player here. Mm-hmm. And obviously it didn't quite happen for, for Wilshire in particular. I know what you're saying. Generation, but mm. there was Foden's better place. And, you know, I don't want to belittle Jack Wilshire, but Foden's obviously mm-hmm. a, a much better player at this stage than, than Wilshire. Was and probably, but one can forget how good Wilshire was and and the the promise that he had. But there's been more production from Foden than there was from Wilshire. But it goes back again to the pace point, actually, because I think the point where Wilshire hits the wall and stops progressing is where he's been injured enough that he's not fast away to get fast enough to get away from people who are tackling him anymore. Because when he could do that change of pace and accelerate away from people, that's what made him special. And then you found, found him in that zone where he still knew what he wanted to do, but he was getting frustrated and he was getting kicked a lot because he wasn't fast enough to burst away from players anymore. Yeah, yeah. that's very true. Yeah. Um, and he can learn from some of the older heads around him, such as Fernandinho, who who knows how to do a little double slap on uh, opponents, of course. I think that was quite interesting. Jamie Redknapp's sum, <laughs> a sum up of that, where he said he, he said how Ceballos should just get up and get on with the game. Mm. He did still get slapped. I think that's really his reaction is quite irrelevant to that. Yeah, well, Andy, Manchester City march on again in uh, in the Carabao 
League Cup, as uh, as it's called. Um, they are in the semi-final, as are Brentford. And this is quite incredible. Brentford, the first time in their history that they have reached a, a major semi-final. I love stuff like this, and, it, and it, it's, it's a reminder. We're used to seeing big clubs dominate, obviously. That's why they're big clubs. Uh, and then and then fans of big clubs moaning that they haven't won a trophy in you know three months or whatever it may be. Or even some other uh, fans who have said, oh, but we haven't won the league for 10 years, 15 years, whatever it may be. And then you get a club like Brentford, who made a lot of waves last season. They're, um, they, they've got a good side. They've been doing some great things. They've never been to a semi-final. Previously, Vish. Some some fans of big clubs, they can forget just how sport they've been. A hey, Vish. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you're not winning Champions League titles, not worth it. Um, <laughs> hasn't been worth it for a while. Uh, no, yeah. Should they be excited about being in the semi-final of the muggy little Carabao Cup? <laughs> Is that what well, you're saying? No, but it's weird to say, isn't it? Because they're, they're in a they're in a playoff final, you know, a few months ago. Yeah, and they lost it. <laughs> Good reminder. <laughs> Oh, look at your little face again. <laughs> but you know, they've, they've reinforced that you'll notice, I'm sure you will have noticed, that yeah. two former Wimbledon players uh-huh. in the lineup in, uh, in, in, in Force and Sorensen. So I, th- I think that's that clearly is the big made story. the difference. Yeah. That, is that the has made story. the difference. Um, of course, Brentford did beat Fulham in the uh, in the Carabao Cup on their way. They hammered them 3 0 earlier uh, in, in the yeah, competition. Redemption, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but still, though, it's a, it's a, it's a nice piece of history for, for the club, of course, you know, in the semi final. Yeah. I mean, does it feel a bit. Hollow without fans. That's like another whole point of you know wanting of cup competition. But that's yeah, just that's where, wanting to be there. That's just where we are, though. You, no, no, no. Of course. Yeah, of course. I know what you mean. Yeah. I, I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, it did feel a bit of a damp squib at times watching the games, but that's Newcastle's fault. I, think. I was about to say. I think I think you could have had a that could have been in a full house at Wembley, and that would have been the case. I mean, yeah, Newcastle. I mean. Yeah, I mean, Steve Bruce, he was asked um, if he had a message for the supporters who don't feel that they are seeing the progress and excitement they want. And Bruce replied, the excitement. I'm not sure where that comes from. (laughs) You see, I saw you looking down for a a, a quote on your notes, Marcus, Mm -hmm. having a casual look. I just saw the bit and you said Steve Bruce says and I read we're delighted to create a new chapter in Brentford's history that's that's actually Thomas Frank's quote yeah you wouldn't put it past old Brucey to say that as well I mean Newcastle he did throw on Andy Carroll as a late sub um, and uh, he he sent uh, he he had a go he had a volley which went about fifteen yards over the bar which sort of summed it all up didn't F- it farewell performance before being uh, snapped up by Big Sam Big Sam Allardyce oh hey what a Christmas present that it, would be it's funny because one of the uh, I, I guess for for me regular routines of of post pandemic and I guess everyone has had their little routines mm-hmm. and spent a lot more time indoors is um, texting or calling my in laws to tell them when Newcastle United are on, mm-hmm. uh, on, on, on what channel. And <laughs> I, I, was, I was in the middle of some work and then like about two minutes before this kicked off, I was like, right, oh no, I forgot, I've forgotten to tell them. So I, I gave him a ring mm. and um, said, oh yeah, yeah, they're playing away at Brentford in the cup, in the quarterfinal. Mm. And now I feel that I've crushed their dreams to the extent, I, I don't even know if I can look them in the eyes through Zoom or FaceTime on Christmas Day. <laughs> Well, it will have to be one of those two, Andy, of course. Um, but it, could be, it could be house party. 
It did bring a, a, a truly magical uh, cup run to an end for Newcastle United. They'd beaten Blackburn, Morecambe and Newport on penalties uh, on the way to uh, the, the quarterfinals. But I mean, but, but Brentford though, I mean, this year's competition, they've beaten Southampton, West Brom and Fulham. And now, of course, Newcastle. That is very impressive, Vish, you've got to say. Sitting there with your arms folded, shaking your head. That is very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I won't, I, I, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a... I was trying to think of what the term was for soft ultra... I'm, I'm a, I'm a sympathiser, Brentford sympathiser. Yeah, I'm a Brentford apologist. Yeah. <laughs> um, a very good pizza around there as well. Oh, yeah. um, but the fact that they were able famously, to, yeah, Santa Maria hit them up. Actually, Santa Maria, if you're if you are listening, what are you doing? I'm just trying to point to all the cameras so you can't edit this out in a different way. Uh-huh. I just want free pizza. So okay. Um, but, but I was, I mean, naturally, you know, when you lose a. a playoff final and you play the way that Brentford do where you're or you, you operate the way that Brentford do where you basically end up being the scouting network for the rest of the country mm-hmm. so mm. no one needs to really invest or do the analysis yeah, if you're yeah. going to do it that robustly people are just going to look over your shoulders and pluck the answers they want so when they lost Watkins and Ben Rama you thought okay well how can they you know mm-hmm. two, two talents like that and you see the way they've less so Ben Rama because of time but you see the way they've done in the Premier League you sure. think where do you find other players like that mm-hmm. to come in? And they just have. They've and managed, and, and they? they left one of them on the bench, you know, Ivan Tony. Yeah. He did, yeah. And De, and De Silva's goal was lovely, yeah. actually. We should say it's a great finish. Excellent volley. You know, yeah. but I felt really positive about Brentford, as you know, when I was mentioning Sorensen and Force at the beginning of this segment. And now I'm like, they didn't lend us Watkins and Ben Rama. I feel like we're ripped off. Andy, <laughs> Andy, everyone has well, not even moved on. They were never held back by this, I feel, other than your silly self. Um, <laughs> uh, so, gentlemen, let us talk a little bit about European football. Juventus last night lost 3-0 at home to Fiorentina, laugh out loud. Um, they were down to 10 men early on. Juan Cuadrado was, was sent off. But what about that, Andy? Aaron Ramsey was substituted. He wasn't happy about it either. He's probably still angry about Cuadrado's tackle. It was an absolute leg breaker mm. on Castrovilli. It's, it's one of those ones where you get a yellow and the referee realises straight away he's going to have to go and have another look and that, that's what happened. But Fiorentina were already winning by that point and they played really, really well. They only 1-0 well. up, I mean. But, but like, still, I mean, the, the way they've played recently, them going and winning anywhere is mm-hmm. a story. Going and winning at Juventus, giving Andrea Pirlo mm-hmm. his first defeat. And as well, I think we have to underline just how much Fiorentina hate Juventus. They absolutely. Oh, is this one of these little ones that, that maybe despise them. That someone like myself might not be aware of. Yeah, they despise them. And obviously, like part of that goes back to Roberto Baggio, and then since there, they've um, continued at a reasonable rate, nicking players from Fiorentina. Obviously, mm-hmm. Bernadeschi has been riding the bench for most of the time since they spent a lot of money for him. So, um, for them to go and put one over Juventus, who they absolutely hate mm-hmm. I mean they celebrated like they won the World Cup final afterwards mm-hmm. because it's been such a miserable time for them because they've been right down the bottom hovering above the relegation zone and Frank Ribery had one of those nights as well Indeed. which it's is always, nice it's always pleasing to hammer the old lady I mean what are we going to do with that what just at this time of year as well what you're talking about. You'll be in church in 48 hours knowing that you'd have said this on this show. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I need forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> Elsewhere in, uh, in European football, um, Lionel Messi scored his 644th goal, breaking Pele's Santos record. 
It's the most goals scored by one player at one club in the history of football. Not even Pele and his statistics <laughs> can stand up against Lionel Messi. He can't, uh, he can't even lie about being as good as Messi now. <laughs> Where's Romario in all this? He's been very say, quiet. I was going to say it's Romario, the guy who scored the goals in his back garden. Why, why is Pele getting dragged yeah, into don't, this? Don't drag Pele into Romario's garden for crying out loud. Absolutely. Um, but it, 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 that's just, I mean, again, it was a time we thought to ourselves that they're just every week there's records tumbling with Messi and, and Ronaldo, of course. And then this one happens and you think, oh, right, that is. I thought we'd already got something like that, you know. Absolutely remarkable, though, Fish. Yeah, it's when we get to this stage, actually, because we, we, you always get the numbers and you know the numbers are remarkable because you know there's just sheer volume of of goals over the course of a season. But then when you start when you start getting to this territory where he's having, to, it's like he's 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 like he's in a computer game yep. and he's reached the final boss and he's just toppled him. Yeah, he? yeah, yeah. Pele, yes. that's the player. You, you know, it. you get into football and it's like you get handed your cards, mm-hmm. right? Learn, here are the things you need to learn. We hate them. Play Maradona, the other ones. <laughs> Definitely don't call it soccer over here because for some reason it pisses people off. But yeah, he's just, I mean, that's mad, really. Mm, the idea true. that you can start, you know, you get a career in the game and just get to the summit of it. It's, 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 oh, what's particularly fun is that where he is at the moment, he looks quite grumpy about it as well. He's <laughs> <laughs> got a board of scoring goals now. Yeah. And I'm especially bored of scoring goals for the same bloody club. Mm. Although he has he has got a new playmate to, to Boyham, young Pedri, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, lovely little back heel for the goal. Imagine having the balls at 18 to set up a goal for Messi with a back heel. That's delightful. It's absolutely I mean, delightful. That's something Andy. special. The, the ones from the Canary Islands, they're special. They are very special. Um, the Barcelona presidential candidate, Jordi Farah, uh, he wants Messi to stay and he thinks that, that, that getting Neymar back to the club would would certainly um, go some way in, in, in doing that and, and appeasing Messi and hopefully uh, keeping him at the new Camp. And he said that uh, he's been talking to Neymar's representatives his words, not anyone else's. And uh, he said, Neymar is, is very welcome to return to the club if, if he wishes to come back. But he must ask firstly for forgiveness and withdraw his demands. <laughs> what of being paid? What are his demands? I mean, I get, ask for forgiveness. He went on to say about Neymar, well, and of course, who doesn't want the third best player in the world on their team? That's not going to help, is it? You know what it sounds like? It sounds like he wants to go for dinner with him, but he wants to be asked so that he doesn't have to pay. Like, yeah. well, no, 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 you, it was your idea. Uh-huh. Well, speaking of uh, dinner, and you mentioned pizza earlier, um, <laughs> he said that uh, the... the, the if he's if he's brought in as president, he will promise free pizza uh, from the best pizza maker in the world. Are um, they going to ground share with Brentford? That's is, is that where Barcelona are at the moment? That Honestly, is... Brentford, Brentford are going to be attracting those players now. <laughs> That's for, for members of the club. They've got quite a lot of members. He's got to be careful. He might be out of pocket. He also promised to pay for tattoos uh, of the Barcelona crest to members who back him for presidency. <laughs> uh, so he's quite the character. He is quite the character. I imagine he'd be quite good to negotiate with if you're a player because he clearly doesn't know what the fuck people want. <laughs> Pizza tattoos. <laughs> Chuck anything in. <laughs> oh, dear me. Right, gentlemen, let's have a quick break and then we'll dip into some emails. Um, Aston Villa, your old side. Be hoping for big things this evening. Yeah, I think it does. Like we said earlier, they've won. Oh, and there's a goal. Welcome back to the Football Ramble, everybody. Right, it's time for some of the emails. Just email. 
fun indeed, everybody. After we found out that Jim had spent many a night thinking about Ali Reza Yakenbash, you've been telling us on Twitter some of the football players you can't seem to get out of your heads. Uh, Charlie Woodall has said, Histro Stoichkov. His big head figurine was somehow the highlight of Euro 96 for me. <laughs> Remember big head figurines, of course. Um, Jason Robson said, uh, here's one for resident Sevilla man Andy Brassel. Benoit Tremoulina, uh, not even a Bordeaux or Sevilla fan. That name is just something. It's nice, isn't it? It's a lovely name, that is. Aaron Young said, Pierre van Hoydonk. This name has haunted my life since I was 16. <laughs> Very enjoyable indeed. Do get them in. Uh, you can tweet us, of course, at Football Ramble. Yeah, or uh, get on the get on the old retro emails, as Imran Hassan has. Happy holidays. As an American, I was very excited to hear you talking about the shit housing from last week's LAFC Club America CONCACAF Champions League semi-final. One thing you failed to mention that was after Club America manager Miguel Herrera was sent off for pulling... LA assistant Ante Razos' hair. He refused to go back to the locker room and instead went to the stands where he used a walkie-talkie. This is in capitals. <laughs> used a walkie-talkie to continue communicating with his coaching staff. Somehow he was not reprimanded any further for this ridiculous behaviour at the time, but he was fired two days later. That is naughty behaviour, isn't it, Andy? In the US, we refer to these kinds of antics as being conquer-caffed, which means some combination of suffering from absurd refereeing decisions and ridiculous shit housing from opponents, players or fans. Famous examples include Landon Donovan being shagged... Shagged? <laughs> another baseball reference. No, no, no. Leave it there and continue reading that sentence. Landon Donovan no, you, was shagged by what? You have no idea how good it gets. Include Landon Donovan being showered in bags of piss and vomit oh. during a World Cup qualifier against oh. Mexico so Christmas at the Pete's. Azteca. <laughs> <laughs> Home fans regularly camping outside the American hotel with fireworks and drums the night before a big match against the US. That's a, that's a classic sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. And the Panamanian side, Arabe Unido, bringing out a stretcher not one, not two, but eight times after taking an early 1-0 lead <laughs> against Real Salt Lake City in a CONCACAF Champions League match. In fairness, we have also been uh, known to engage in CONCACAFing from time to time. During qualification for the 2014 World Cup, we chose to play Costa Rica in Denver, Colorado, in the middle of a massive snowstorm. The CONCACAF officials inexplicably allowed the game to continue despite the ridiculous conditions and we won with a first half Clint Dempsey goal. One for you there, Marcus. Mm. Needless to say, the Costa Ricans hold this against us to this day. I'd love to hear about similar stories of shithousery from other people's local teams or countries. So would I. Mm. Thank you so much, Imran. That's lovely stuff, Imran. Excellent. Andy, any kind of uh, bits of shithousery from other countries that, that leap to mind? I remember the World Cup it is quite standard for, for opposition fans or if, if, if the locals don't like a particular team, they'll be outside their hotel and kind of making noise and all that kind of stuff. I'd have a decoy mm. hotel, I think, if I, if I did that. Uh, sort of one from the Jack Grealish playbook. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but that's yeah. sometimes why England have sort of stayed out in the out of the towns <laughs> in yeah. uh, recent World Cups. What in their five star prisons? In their five star oh, oh, in yeah. South Africa. Yeah. Um, oh, ladies and gentlemen, a quick reminder about our schedule over the festive period. We'll all be back uh, with a preview show for you tomorrow. When I say all, I mean Vish, Andy, and I. Uh, then we'll be delivering a delightful gift on Christmas Day in the form of a very, very special Ramble Meets episode. You don't want to miss that. We'll then be releasing two 
two festive episodes on Monday and Tuesday next week, where all the gang will get together for some Christmas laughs and a few games. And there's a preview show episode and available on Wednesday, 30th of uh, December, before we round off the year with a bonus best of 2020 episode on New Year's Eve. Should be a right old cracker. Speaking of crackers... Scottish football pundits are having a square go, as I believe uh, they say up there. I say that. I know they do. Or they certainly (laughs) used to. Uh, Martin O'Neill. Now, by the way, the Scottish Cup final has yet to be mentioned properly on this show since it happened uh, on the weekend. And it's a disgrace. Celtic were allowed to win. Um, uh, <laughs> it was a great shame because Hearts, they're a, they're a league below Celtic, thanks to Dark Forces. Um, they were tuned that they came back. They they I mean, in, in terms of bravery, Vish, they should have been given the cup, shouldn't they? Oh, well, in just for Craig Do- Gordon's um, apoplexy at being created. <laughs> I mean, that is wonderful, that, because every goalkeeper thinks about doing that. Or mm. they probably think about going a step further. Mm. Um, but he was like, "No, I'm. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna throw at you. I, I, you know you've annoyed. You know you've annoyed me." Edward Penenkad him, and then he got up and he threw. The, he went to throw the ball at him, and he did. But he kind of pulled out a little bit as well, thinking, "Oh, I don't want to get sent off." You see, the angriest I've ever seen a goalkeeper. I think is it was in it was in a a, a Champions League qualifier penalty shootout between Udinese and Braga, and one of the Udinese players tried to. Penenka better and he, he caught it you know mm-hmm. it, was, it was easy he, he, he didn't he didn't move he read it and he went absolutely bonkers like you've had the bloody cheek <laughs> to try that on me because this was pre like Sergio Ramos glory years of Penenkering uh-huh. this was this was about eight or nine years ago when um, Guidolin was still in charge of Udinese but I've, I've rarely seen a face of rage like mm-hmm. that well um was he as angry as Martin O'Neill after the cup final? He was he was going to town uh, in the punditry ahead of the Scottish Cup final. The beautifully made up Martin O'Neill. Oh yes, he, he looked like he'd come straight out of Madame Two Swords, didn't he? He did. Well, he, well, he was. <laughs> you sound like Martin O'Neill talking about Leonardo. You remember when he lost himself? <laughs> well, he, he, he was he was defending Neil Lennon, who's, who's come in for some heavy criticism, for, even with some of the Celtic fans as well. They, they're quite far behind Rangers in the league. Of course, they do have games in hand, and it's still to play for. But they've not had a great season by their lofty standards despite having won last season's cup last weekend um, he said you have players who have done nothing in their careers nothing at all who have all been basement dwellers as footballers they're giving their opinion their opinion is worthless big words from old Martin O'Neill Charlie Nicholas who certainly wasn't a basement dweller has since written a column arguing that Lennon completing the quadruple treble uh, 12 (laughs) trophies in a row for Celtic doesn't put him up there with true Celtic managerial greats like Jock Steen and Brendan Rodgers brother Brendy getting a a mention I mean I think that's I mean look Lennon's had an amazing time as Celtic manager and and him coming back into the fray was was unlikely Um, but he's done it and, and he got them over the line in the league last season and they've Want another cup there, um, but but Charlie Nickers is saying no, he's not one of the managerial greats. Whereas whereas Chris Sutton replied to that on Twitter, simply saying Charlie is sadly bitter. <laughs> so that sort of sums that. I mean, I understand it's an, it's a phenomenal achievement for Celtic winning twelve trophies in a row, the quadruple treble. <laughs> but it is quite a depressing thing for Scottish football, is it not? I mean, another team hasn't won a trophy, domestic trophy, there since two thousand and sixteen. Yeah, I know, but you're. It's Scottish football, isn't it? That's just you're just going to write that whole thing off. The great <laughs> thing, the great thing is though, Vish for Scottish football is Rangers and Celtic. Rangers, very surprisingly, uh, are out of the League Cup, so that there will be a different name on the trophy. So that's something for us to hold on to, Andy. A little bit of hope there. Yes, yes, it is. I've been wondering all through this section. Mm-hmm. 
I, I know Vish is an Edinburgh man. Is he Hearts or Hibs? Vish is Aberdeen. He likes Aberdeen. I think. Yeah, I was so I, my uh, I did chemical engineering at university, and there were a lot of people from Aberdeen because that's where you'd go and and work as a chemical engineer. Right. Um, so what are you yeah, doing? what are you doing down here then? Yeah, I was just thinking that. <laughs> Where's the wrong uni? It's probably exactly yeah. why I'm here. Um, but yeah, no, I, so I had a fondness for for Aberdeen, but I did actually prefer Hibs because yeah. Hibs had quite an exciting team when I was there. Derek Ryden, oh, Gary O'Connor, yeah. Kevin, Kevin Thompson, yeah. Ivan Sproul. Keep going. Get somewhere in a minute. <laughs> Fine. No, 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 Ray Wilkins them, came no, out of retirement again, did he? None of them were as good as Rudy Scatchel. Now you're talking. Um, right, Andy, uh, yesterday um, Mick McCarthy got a lovely mensch on uh, the Football Ramble, of course. He was having a go at Declan Rice and then he was talking about banning Roy Keane's name in his house. <laughs> Andy, around this time you mentioned Mick McCarthy and Ramon Domenech having um, a very good working relationship. Yes. Uh, and, and, and Big Mick said that he, he's the best coach he's ever worked under. Well... Big Andy Brassel. You, with the disparaging comments at Raymond Domenech, might have to... Well, I don't know if you're going to eat your words. You might be proved right. Because he might well be back in the game. Raymond Domenech, apparently, is about to take over at Nantes. He last coached at the 2010 World Cup when the, the entire France squad went on strike. <laughs> which is which is quite incredible, really. But it looks like he's, he might be coming back. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not Raymond Domenech's fault that he has, hasn't worked since then. I think he's still been... I mean, he's partly that, to blame, I th- I think he's, presumably. No, I think he's been in that bush in South Africa looking for the fitness coach's stopwatch. You remember that? Uh, no, when, I that's when, such when, a niche reference. When the, when the players <laughs> refused to get off the bus when they were on strike, Robert Duverne, who was the fitness coach, he had this discussion with Dominic and he threw a massive strop and he, he, threw, his, um, he threw his stopwatch into the bushes. All right. <laughs> And time stopped entirely in the career of Raman Domenech. Can I ask Andy, right, so he, you know, uh, a lot of people would know him for the fact that he would pick via star signs, or certainly that's something that was said of him, and I think he mentioned it a few yeah, times. Yeah, I mean, he? He, he said that was exaggerated, but I think you believe stuff like that of a person for a reason. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. So, but what was it, what did he say then? It was about Galas being a Taurus or something was like that. Was it Philip Mexis as well, maybe? I can't remember, but he, he, yeah, he, he mentioned that he would pick players and he would take into account their star signs, but when he said it's exaggerated... There, there's something he said. What could he have said? He's obviously taking it into account somewhat, hmm. and there lies the problem. Yes, this is kind of like oh well, people were saying that you know he's a cancerian, therefore I can't possibly pick him. That's exaggerated. But what did you say? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like he said oh you know sometimes I like to play four four two, and everyone's like oh he's a four four two, he can't play any other position. That would be exaggerated. But that's perfectly fine with regards to that. See, Andy, what do you think? I guess he's saying it's not the sole basis for me picking players. I think so. And for that, we should applaud him. Interestingly, we should also say, mm-hmm. second Aberdeen mention, uh-huh. the former Aberdeen legend Antoine Comboare is also in the mix. Ooh. Is he really? For um, the Nantes job, because as as we know from, I think we discussed on On the Continent last week, that uh, Laurent Blanc has uh, taken time out from golfing now to uh-huh. not manage Nantes. Um, but um, go and uh, manage in the Middle East. Have you read Ramon Dominic's book, Lonely at the Top? Uh, no, I've not. Oh, okay. Well. well, I wonder, because he's because he had some pretty weird views before, imagine what is going through his head right now. <laughs> 
I think uh, I think it's, it's if he, indeed he does get the job, we will be very hot on that. Taking yes. down all the five G masks. Lovely old job, um, gentlemen. This is oh, this was like putting on a warm jumper, uh, an old jumper when I when I saw this story. <laughs> the Sepp Blatter Museum of Misdemeanors um, uh, is, is is how we've entitled this. A FIFA statement seen by the Press Association read: Following a detailed review of historical facts and circumstances concerning the construction and ongoing going operational costs of the FIFA Museum, FIFA has become aware of many serious irregularities regarding this project. My goodness, what a... Ah, yesterday. I remember <laughs> for years ago on this show, we were we used to sort of really stick the boot into FIFA. And I would like to say, ladies and gentlemen, this, this sounds very self-aggrandising, but bollocks, you know, if you, if you can't blow your own trumpet, who will? Um, we, we really used to um, really stick the boot into Seth Blatter and Jack Warner and uh, Joao Havelange and all those those. Types uh, FIFA, but then once once it all sort of blew up and it was kind of like ah, oh, yeah, yeah. it became a bit boring at FIFA House. Do you see what I mean? Well, when they started, what when when they kind of backed up when it stopped being a joke and started being actually no no they're corrupt to the core. There's so many. No, but issues when they, when it was all done and it all kind of they all got they all got sort of bans and, and this that and the other and so on. And Infantino came in and everything was fine. <laughs> well, okay, well go on then, Andy. What are you going to say? This about is it? heritage. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I, what, what I particularly enjoy about this statement that you're reading out, mm-hmm. following a detailed review of historic facts and circumstances, I mean, that is a great start to a story about, you know, the questions of viability to a museum. It is. <laughs> I mean, that's really good. Yeah, well, well, FIFA doesn't actually own the FIFA museum. The museum was completed in... Say what? They, do, they don't own it. The, the museum was completed in 2013, cost £421 million, with £117 million put into renovation and refurbishing the building, which they didn't own. And the decision to lock FIFA into a rental contract for the property until 2045 is also being questioned. Allegations of suspected nepotism. Um, of course, in September, Blatter's Secretary General and former right-hand man at FIFA, Jerome Valka, was given a suspended jail sentence over the allocation of World Cup TV rights. And he was he was very unhappy about this during the trial that he had to sell um, his yacht since losing <laughs> his job at FIFA. So there we are. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have more Carabao Cup action, of course. Mourinho is ready. Of course, uh, uh, Tottenham Hotspur are going to Stoke City. Um, uh, Manchester United, of course, uh, in action as well against Everton. Um, but yes, it's, this is a reminder that uh, Neil Warnock uh, was very, very unhappy with the state of the Stoke City away dressing room at the start of the month, saying it was a pigsty and the pigs would have <laughs> run away if they'd been in there. Um, so Mourinho has received footage of the scene. Uh, as David Heitner puts it, one of his many insiders at other clubs has, uh, has done a bit of sleuthing for him. That is... That is t- chilling, isn't it? Mourinho with one of his many insiders at other clubs. What else does he see? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Dead people? I don't know. Do you think he's watching us right now? Quite, quite possibly. If if we were a threat in some way or if he could get something or he wanted something from us. I mean, us. there are four cameras in here. Yeah. Mm, that is true. It remi- it, Which you've, you've looked into every single one. You made a quest for pizza, but in yeah. fact, you've just allowed... Mourinho to spy on you more easily. You I know, he's... yeah, he knows He knows how vulnerable I am. He knows all my weaknesses, and that's all he wants to know of anything. When I read that about, you know, Marie, has Mourinho... Has he been Zooming you a lot during lockdown? <laughs> he has, He yeah. has been Zooming you a lot yeah. during lockdown, actually. When I read that Mourinho, <laughs> yeah. one, of, one of many insiders at other clubs, I immediately thought of Jack Nicholson's character in The Departed. Yes. And Matt's Mourinho kind of... You know what I mean? That's what, they're it. everywhere. Yeah. That's it. He, he'd get a mole to watch his mole. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's so true. Oh, oh yeah, where the, where, the, where the guy goes to, to, to Sullivan, you didn't think it was just you. <laughs> yeah. In the lift. <laughs> oh, don't, my. Don't, spoilers for crying out. No, you're, oh, always, it's, you're it's, always big on spoilers. Every, if you everyone's it, yeah. got ITV4. What's <laughs> wrong with you? Come on. I mean, it is, it is a terrific film. But um, when, when we talk about Mourinho's um, eyes and ears everywhere. I don't think we should get too carried away. Okay. I mean, of course, that that Warnock quote uh, mm-hmm. about the state of the Stoke dressing room, mm-hmm. it does come from a brilliant article, actually, from mm-hmm. Michael Walker in The Athletic, where they follow um, Middlesbrough around in their extraordinary programme where they end up playing, what, 11 games in a month or something mm-hmm. absolutely ridiculous. I'm not sure in the exact figure. So really, really worth reading. And, you know, when you think of... Um, Jurgen Klopp and um, Thomas Tuchel and their complaints about the schedule. It's, it's worth, all those points are valid, but it is worth considering what it's like for teams in the championship and league one and league two. And I think this gives a really good mm-hmm. insight towards that. And also it does make me think that uh, Jose Mourinho's uh, eyes and ears are just reading long articles on the <laughs> Yeah, he's got a subscription is what you're saying, yeah. yeah. I, I bet he used one of the offers as well, didn't he? <laughs> Paying a quid a month. Yeah, yeah exactly. Someone it, else's login. Yeah, I know, what you're, <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're saying about, you know, the, the kind of championship, League One, League Two clubs, all that kind of stuff. But Andy, I mean, it was a pigsty and the pigs would have run away if they'd been there. That is quite damning. Yes, it is. It is indeed, ladies and gentlemen. But but that's that's portal cabin life for you. It's, diff- <laughs> it's difficult at the moment. There was a, but it's not just restricted to um, you know clubs below the Premier League. There was an issue um, that Ralph Hasenhutl had at Stamford Bridge because they can't use the normal away dressing room. Mm-hmm. They were placed in the hotel, you know, Chelsea. Uh, the Millennium Copthorne. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there, there are loads of different hotels around Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So they basically, they leave, if you're watching it on TV, they leave, leave by the bottom right corner mm-hmm. of the pitch, the away teams. And Hassan Hill said by the time they got to the dressing room at half time, they had five minutes and then they had to go straight <laughs> back because it, it was too long. Um... But then, you know, Southampton came back and, and drew the game 3-3. So, oh, you know, I wonder if that, that walking time alone is all players need. I, I like the idea of them thinking, like Hassan Hill starts leading them back and thinking it's too far and they just stop around a burger van or get a cup of tea <laughs> yeah. and they, you know maybe Nathan Redmond goes oh, well, I reckon I have a hot dog <laughs> I mean I am quite hungry mm. you know Mourinho also said uh, about all this I'm not going to be the bad guy that is going to make comments about Stokes away dressing room again just like Jack Nicholson and departed to get someone else to do it <laughs> Just get someone else to do it. I'm not, I haven't said anything about that. You'll never get me. So, yes, there we are. So, we're looking forward to that. So we're also looking forward to Everton versus Manchester United uh, this evening. Yes, we are. And um, if you enjoyed today's show and all of the many shows we've brought to you this year, then the finest Christmas present that we could ask for from you is a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Right, wherever you like, but a little five-star rating would mean the world to us and it would help other listeners find the show. Thank you so much, as always. Dear Ramblers. Dear Ramblers, thank you very much. Right, on tomorrow's show, it's Marcus, Andy and Fish Lovely old job, everybody. Right, we will see you tomorrow for some for more football ramblings. Uh, until then, thank you very much, Andy Brassel. See you very shortly. Thank you very much, Vatushan Handaraja. See you in a bit. Thank you, everybody. See you tomorrow. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.